Guys, welcome to my fields. Thanks, Joshua Michael. You got Mr. Tony Morales here. What's going on, brother? That's another day in paradise. How about yourself? Same here. It's, it's funny when you like sit here, another day in paradise, or ah, living the dream. It's like, translation, everything is pissing me off right now. <laughs> I'm not doing everything I want to be doing. Like, if you could be wrestling all the time, would you? Supporting your family? Depends on the situation, I suppose. Like, freaking, I wouldn't want to be away from them that far at this point in my life, but that would be, you know, it'd be good. I wouldn't mind wrestling more. I can't wait to have a family I can ignore. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoy my family, so. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I know you enjoy your family. You got lucky. Indeed. Shoot jobs were draining today. We're, we're trying to energize for you. I had a shitload of coffee today and it like crapped out on me. It's about like 30 minutes ago. But it's good to be on recording with you, brother. Colin is on site recording, uh, making a movie. That's awesome. Probably doing some union stuff like we always say is. But we are doing, we have not quite to issue 100 yet. It'll happen. The Mythological Masterful Issue 100. It'll be amazing. It'll be tremendous. It'll be the greatest episode ever. There might be clowns. Who knows? That'd be great if there were clowns, man. Someone at work today was talking about Pee-wee today. Like, I thought you'd be a big Pee-wee fan. And I was like, fuck no. Pee-wee scares the shit out of me. It's like this evil dimension. Yeah, little you gotta drive a line somewhere, and that line is Pee-wee Herman. That line is Pee-wee Herman. That man is all, like... One of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen in my life was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I've mentioned it before. It's just someone asked me about that today at work today, and like I think people took it as like me wanting attention. I'm like, no, no, I uh, that movie was terrifying. Not like to the point where I don't even trust people that really, really still like Pee-wee. Like, there's something wrong with you. What have you done? Arms length, arms length. But yeah, you've got your new phone. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Now you can finally get all my late night text messages. I'm good. I'm going to sleep. Are you up? What are you doing? Just busy sleeping. Right on, man. Uh, we both watched uh, Black Widow. You actually paid for it. I bootlegged the shit out of it. Played it on my PlayStation. Yeah, trying to, try to support the little man. Yeah, yeah. By little man, I mean Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I've been in love with her since Ghost World. Nice. Technically, that is her first comic book movie, the old Daniel Close uh, adaptation. Awesome. And I still think Thor Birch is hotter than her. At least nice and thicker. Nice. I don't know if I've ever saw Ghost World. I think I did. Daniel Close is an acquired taste. You gotta be like, it's not. It's not like one of those things like where. You're some uh, like wine connoisseur, sommelier, or however you say it. And like, if you're not a Daniel Close fan, then you're not a comic fan. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's it's definitely like it, it's it's for a certain niche there. But I re I I really enjoyed most of his work. But she was wonderful in that, and she was wonderful in Black Widow. Man, I was really hoping for some reversal of uh, Endgame. Didn't happen. Yeah. No, they kept it. They kept it pretty. Uh, kept it to what it was. Freaking. I don't know. I think. I think it makes it better. I'd hate to see all this freaking, all this work just kind of undone to freaking keep the Scar. Like, you know, I love Scarlett Johansson as freaking Black Widow, but 
it's like if you're gonna go if you're gonna go there you know follow through with it and they did if anything so, if anything they could always do another black widow movie about something that happened before Endgame. i mean like they do it like they constantly rewrite or add new things to her or memories or her psyche i mean like what they're doing in the past like five years with black widow it's always some new thing or a flashback or something we can still every now and then have a have a black widow something and just she just not be in the mcu like you know yeah. it keeps going but i know if, um lawrence pugh was really was great too uh, the whole family dynamic really worked well yeah freaking uh red guardian was amazing because like he was my favorite yeah the whole thing though, was, like it was really like the opening ten minutes is freaking intense. Like I wasn't, I wasn't expecting all that, and freaking, uh, yeah, it was good. Freaking, uh, it really built up and it really. I, I love the the growth of Red Guardian as a as a character throughout the movie. David Harbour was a perfect pick for him, man. Like I, I I've got a total man crush on that guy. Everything he's ever done, I love. Like even his. Uh, uh, play adaptation on Netflix of Frankenstein. Like I remember, like falling asleep watching that and dreaming about being in Frankenstein with him. There it was like I love that guy, and he was hilarious and believable. And he's that's one thing I love about him. He's always believable in everything he does. Like there's not something that I've seen him in where I was like whatever or like not good acting. And like he he no. really, but he's kind of uh, the same guy in pretty much a lot of things. Except this time he was like. It was definitely, he was the same guy, but Russian. Yeah, but Russian. Yep, yep. Which is funny considering about the way that uh, Stranger Things ended last season, where he got kidnapped by the Russians. Oh, nice. Uh, I really thought it was a great idea to make Taskmaster a woman. Really? Yes. I, I actually, I actually figured you wouldn't be down for that. You typically yes. If there's like an arbitrary change for some bullshit reason or some like dumbass woke reason that has no like legitimacy behind it, uh-huh. other than trying to be the corporate entity that's satisfying everyone, uh, uh-huh. I liked it because I've never been able to take Taskmaster seriously, ever. Like he's okay. he, he's like he's the king of f listers to me, and but but even then he's like you know that whatever book he's in, he's only going to fuck up like the, 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 the G listers, <laughs> the, the, no one too much bigger than him. Every now and then he's got like a little bit of a leg up on someone, but when they did it as a badass woman, like it added so much more clout to it because like it didn't come off hokey or stupid. And the, the outfit was just real enough yet, mm-hmm. yet reference to the, you know, the original you know what's what's happening now so i really liked it like that was a lot of fun plus uh, i really love rachel weiss i've been in love with that woman since fucking the mummy and then also uh, i don't know why you call her Fr- uh, francis pew because she'll be Paige for me forever <laughs> nice nice never saw it so that was actually uh fighting with the family was actually pretty decent and i uh, love it always good to see william hurt come back as uh, secretary ross just because you know it's Ross, man. Like it's, I, I just want to see the Red Hulk happen eventually. And yeah, I didn't really think there was too much more clout to this movie. It was just a lot of fun. It, it other than the hint that what was it, Abigail something something, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus's character. Yeah, I don't remember what her name is, freaking. But yeah, no, she uh, she's back and she's got a, she's she's putting together something, you know. 
spoilers without real spoilers. Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. And now, now uh, White Widow is going to be going up against old Hawkeye. So we've got something set up there. Well, I think that's going to get spoiled. I think that series. I think that series comes out what August. I thought it was the Hawkeye series. I thought it was December. I know you could be wrong. I know what ifs coming out next. That I can't wait for. It, that'll be interesting to see what they do with it. With all the different types of animation, I'm just super excited for it, and I don't know. It's just I'm just glad that it exists and that it's a, a chance for Marvel to expand, even though it's not going to be anything canon. But to get to see something like so well done with the money that they have to to really pull it off, it'll be fun. Like like Mojo, yeah. like Mojo was. I didn't like it at first, but yeah, it's growing on me. Modoc. You mean Modoc? Modoc. Yes. I gotta I'm telling you. My brain. Can't sleep on that. It was the best best show they've done yet. Yeah. We got some. What else we got, man? Like uh, AEW was all right last week. It wasn't like. I've got a chance to watch it yet. I need to. Freaking been working a lot. Ring of Honor was fucking great. Elden, God. Bandito really pulled it off, man. That was an epic match. It wasn't a five-star like barn burner, but it was goddamn good. It doesn't always have to be a fucking five-star match. Really, like, if all the if all the matches are five-star, then they're not all five-star. And what and what does it mean then if it's you know? Yep. If it's easy, friggin', what does it mean? Yeah, this one had heart. That's what I really liked about it. Like, like you could tell that everyone was legit, like solid. So stoked for this guy. And he's doing, nice. he's doing stuff on Dark every now and then. So yeah, fuck yeah. Sweet. Against Jericho last time was it? Last time it was Jericho. I uh, I didn't know Bandito had been on freaking AEW at all. I thought he'd been on. Really- I think he was on the on All Out or All In. I know he's in the six man tag with the Bucks and uh Why am I getting Kota confused? Ibuchi. Why am I getting confused with Chaos Project then? That's Serpentico. That's Serpentico. Okay, that's what that's that is, that is a, yeah, that is world different. That is completely different. All right. Serpentico Serpentico's Puerto Rican. I'm I'm editing this out. I sound like a dumbass. Meh. It happens. I usually sound like a dumbass. Meh. Yeah, I got I got my good homeboys to make sure to rally me in when getting a little too wild. So that's that's always a nice thing to be thankful for. But we got some. Good you called her Francesca Pew too instead of Florence Pew. Yeah, I, I could have been wrong about that Dude, one though. I've said every name wrong. I said Mojo. I said Modoc. I said Mojo. Mojo. Yeah. Yeah. Francesca. So they're gonna have some fun. Now that they've got the property, a Mojo t like a Mojo cartoon could be pretty excellent. I love Mojo and everything he ever is in. He's just always so gross. Um, mm-hmm. what was it like? I remember like it was an X Men episode where he was like, or no issue where he was trying to get a date. That was fucking great. Nice. Yeah. But let's get some comics, man. We're doing like uh, we got. Let's see what do we do today. We got the list in front of me. Detective Comics number ten thirty nine. Terror number five. Hellions number 13, Batman the Detective, 4 of 6, Extreme Carnage number 1, and one of the stories from Skybound X, 001. But hit me with, nice. uh, hit me with some Nocturne, man. Alright, we, uh, as we know from last issue, they made it to uh, the Sanctum. And, uh, <clears throat> Emery, the little brother, is has been infected. Um, they ended up 
getting him inside after calming him down, and Tiberius, who is the uh, the brother of the grandfather, who was the guy who created this whole issue with the uh, with the dark, is in charge of this building, that the, the sanctum, and they try to they bring Emery into this room, which is called the cradle. And the whole thing is there's a bed in the middle of this garden, basically. And in there is just like this light that, in theory, will heal everybody um, from the infection, turning them into these these uh, the shades, the monsters. And right then, right before they put him into the, this bed, he goes full-blown shade and attacks Val, his sister. And, you know, he... Scars, he scratches her up pretty good, and she ends up losing consciousness, and they wake up. And she's been asleep for, she's been hurt for days. And she wakes up, goes to see Emery, and he's basically healed. Like, his eyes are back to normal, and he has his colors back. His whole thing with the shades is that you go completely dark, you're like a shadow. And um, Tiberius offers everybody... Uh, sanctum basically you know if you guys choose to stay here you know you can stay if you don't want to you don't have to and Val's like well of course we're going to stay and he's like no you need to think about this you know once once you decide that's it either you stay or you go you know you're more than welcome we can even we'll even let you bring friends so you can bring a couple of friends with you if need be but we find out that um you know, she's talking to Tiberius about this, and we kind of learn a little bit more about his relationship with his family, and that his uh, his his parents would always make the two brothers compete against each other, and Augustus was just always smarter than Tiberius, and he's like even their uh, even their names, Augustus and Tiberius, were built around them fighting each other because they were the first and second emperors of Rome. So. Uh, but he goes into it a little bit more, and it turns out that he just, one day, he just decided not to fight anymore. Like, his brother was a genius. His brother was smarter than him, and he just, he let him have it. And he just became the money. He would fund his brother's projects, which basically led to the situation there and now. Because while he built the, the device that took away the sun and brought the shades, basically opening the doors of hell, freaking, uh, his brother paid for it. So they're both equally to blame. And he ends up showing her another part of the uh, the room of the uh, of the sanctum. And in there are the people, because some people decided to leave, and they ended up becoming shades. And they and they just kept they kept the shades in this specific area to study them to learn all they can about what causes this and about the language they speak. Do they speak? But you can't understand it. It's a language that you in- inherently know the second you become a shade. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Did they? Is there any particular containment system that they have for them? They- uh, not that they mention. It's just kind of. It's just a containment unit. They don't go into what it is. There's just no light going into it. That way they can work with them. I assume. I assume there's lights they can turn on and off. But I don't. We don't know that for sure. But we end up talking with Emery, who is at this point, pretty much healed. Because the whole thing is, as long as you're recently affected, you're savable. Right. But the, long, the longer you have the disease, the further the further gone you are, basically. 
Of course. And Emery wants to leave. And she's like, why? And she's like, you know, he's like, I can't stay here. Like, this isn't living. You know, we're not fighting for anything. We're not trying to make anything better. We're just hiding. And he's like, you don't understand. Like, while I was, while I was infected, you know, I had these visions and I, I, you know, as I could speak their language, I can understand them. And the whole thing is, is that this is just the beginning. Like there, there's war, there's war coming and we need to prepare for what's about to happen. Now, are they insinuating something like it's not like this isn't just going to be like a six, seven issue like story. It's going to be something longer. Yeah, this definitely this one this one seems like it's a monthly series. This isn't this has no not no knowledge of being like a uh, like I said six or seven or even a twelve issue series. Excellent. This seems like it's going full bore. You know, and they talk about um, they they talk about the enemies of the shades. They're called Eos E O S, and they're they're beings made of light. And then apparently the shades and the and the eos are locked in battle, and he's just trying to explain all this situation to his sister. And his sister's like, "We've been, you know, Val's just like we've been running for so long. This is a place. This is a place. This is what we've been looking for." And she, he's like, "No, you know, if we do this, all we're doing is hiding. You know, I've, you know, I've I've helped you this long. I've helped you make make you know light weaponry to battle these creatures, you know, and." But I'm not. I'm not leaving. You know, he's like, I'm. I'm not gonna stay here. I'm out. And Val, they end up, you know, separating. And Val goes to sleep, and she wakes up, and she ends up walking in looking for Tiberius. And she walks into this room, and Tiberius is saying, "No, listen to me. They're not going anywhere. You know, and they have the book, which is the book that." Um, the grandfather left to his granddaughter, who's now going by Piper. That's her new call signal, her call sign. And we open, we turn to the last page, and it's Tiberius talking to uh, the Blacktop Bill. And he's like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, Bill. And Bill just responds with, uh, I'm going to do what you hired me to do. And he's just like, now open the door and let me come in and kill all of them. And that's where the, uh, that's where... Chapter 5 of Noctera ends. I love any good classic kill em all situation. Mm-hmm. Kill em all machine. Kill em all. Yep. So we got uh, Tiberius over here talking about helping everybody out and giving sanctuary to those in need. And turns out the whole time he, he not only, he's not even working for Blacktop Bill, he hired Blacktop Bill. I'm fucking great. I love those sort of storyline changes, man. Especially like when you're so engrossed to it that you don't see it coming. Did you see it coming? No, I didn't expect that. I figured, you know, freaking, they'd get this far and then they'd end up having to leave. Not having to leave because Tiberius is working with Bill. But I'm interested to see what's going to happen with that because Bill has Augustus. And he's turning him into a shade. So it'll be interesting to see why... At the end of the day, it seems like the uh, Tiberius might be jealous of his brother's intellect, or obviously blames him for what happened. Right. Well, damn, man. I'm lost. every time you you go over this, I'm like, shit, I forgot to read Nectaria. Every goddamn. Yeah. Time. I've only read like the first two. Ah, of- oh, you're missing out, dude. It's 
It's real. I'm I'm loving it. It's interesting. It's a good, great story. Freaking, you get a uh, some interesting work between the interplay with the characters, and you've got a mystery because really, you know, we now know what happened with the shades, but we don't know the history of the shades. We don't know, you know, we know how they got to Earth, but we don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And on top of that, now we have this brand new character in the EOS. Who are fighting against the shades? But are they actually going to help the human race, or are they somehow, in their own way, even worse than the shades? Mystery commandos always lead to good stories. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because the whole thing—they're kind of playing with the heaven and hell thing, you know. And the and the shades obviously representing hell, and you know, the EOS at first glance appear to be representing angels but at the end of the day are they actually or like i said are they something far far worse it's like it 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 harkens to that mcfarland's got heaven and hell pretty much cornered in the image right now considering mm-hmm. that uh the hell spawn the hell spawn spawn himself anti-hero yeah he can be taken as, a, as an evil bastard as most you know he's done a lot of bad shit but yeah. as the story's progressed the angels in heaven are just as guilty as the, yeah. as, the, as the demons in hell. And there's, there's no, it's the only, the only real, like, um, you know, like tether point you have is like being like reading it as a human being someone that doesn't have those superpowers, someone that, you know, do you, do you ever find yourself like wondering who you'd fight for when you read these books or similar books? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think about the interplay. Like, where would you, where would you fit into this story? You know, would you be, you know, would you be, would you stay in the sanctum? Would you not stay in the sanctum? Would you, you know, what would your thoughts be? Like, would you want to be a shade? Would you not? You know, and like I said, are these, are these eoses any? Are they good? Or are they bad? Who knows? I'd end up picking. And, and, and what's in it? And what's in it for Tiberius? What's in it for Blacktop Bill? Because Bill's not. Bill doesn't appear to be a shade. Like Bill's. He he's a shadow, but he's still in human form. Whereas the the shade creatures are they're they're mutated. So it's interesting to see like what role like what is Bill as opposed to a shade. What is his uh? And plus he speaks English. You know he doesn't he doesn't have that uh he doesn't speak their language or if he does he still has the ability to speak English. Right. It's so he's a whole different breed. Whether he's like some kind of half breed. Or whether he's a completely different type of creature, we don't know. Definitely seems like something that'd be a lot of fun to write, not just to read. Yeah. But speaking of uh, origin stories, let's uh, switch some gears to some uh, detective comics, man. Because the enter, we finally get like, the, is this the first time they flat out just named him Vile? Yeah, because his name, his name's always because he's Hugh Vile. Hugh Vile. That's it. That's his name. We've never really like. It's kind of. You kind of pick up that he's getting that. That's probably going to be his name, but like we haven't really, you know, learned too much about him until this issue. We get his, uh, and we get his backstory, which is interesting. It's still, you know, the artwork is phenomenal, but it's still on the. It still bothers me that it's it's Capolo art, not done by Capolo. This is every little splash of ink, every little bit of detail, even like when they when they show him like on uh let's see like page like five or six here when the, you get the profile shot he's smiling he looks handsome in the 
in the twilight and his glasses mm-hmm. on and like that is uh, even the eyes are 100% Coppola. Uh, I love origin stories especially when they're interesting obviously. Uh, the, uh, the the idea of a young boy like born into evil like this we don't know how he got infected like what is he like what six yeah we knew he, yeah we knew he was like I think it was eight and he was he was swimming and then all of a sudden he had this thing inside of him this creature. And it's interesting to see because, like, you know, we know he knows something's wrong, but like, he knows. Like at the same time, he's like he. I don't necessarily think he wants it per se, but he knows it's easier to give in. Right, especially because it hurts so bad. Yeah, and he's got a the the creature itself has an issue with light. That was super interesting. Like, I, I don't, do you remember him wearing dark sunglasses a lot, or is it just they only showed him at night or something like that? I swear he got. Well, he into... always goes out at night. We we definitely noticed that, but I mean that's kind of that's pretty much par for the course. Just kind of like a creature feature kind of thing. The fact that it's living in his throat, I fucking loved it. They, like they tried to remove it, and like that, ah, it's gonna kill him, and the, it's gonna we can't remove it. It's it's done. Yeah. So I mean, he's been living with this for a while. And like, like you said, the the light bothers it. We know that it's very reminiscent of like the Venom symbiote, like the original old school Venom symbiote. But like, it's like if Spider, if Peter Parker would have got it when he was eight. Good. Like if, if he had gotten this as like a, an adult or even like a teenager, he might not have been so into utilizing it. Good. And but like him being an eight year old boy is just like. You know that's you know that was that was what he used to survive. Like he, it was it was much more of a symbi. I feel like it was much more of a symbiotic relationship because of his age and like he basically grew up with this thing inside of him. Long long time ago, when I was a a young teenager, uh, my dad warned me and was like one of the stern things, like you know you got to be careful what you let into your head because you're a blank slate. You, you might not be able to get it out. And um, he was referencing some of like the more fucked up music I was listening to, like Nine Inch Nails and Manson and so that. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is the only thing I relate to. The only thing that makes me feel better, I'm thinking. And, uh, you know, listening to Nails, if I, if, I, if I was like 30 when Nine Inch Nails first came out back in 88, um, I would have been like, oh, this is really good. I probably wouldn't have given a shit about the lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. It just, my mind would have been tempered to avoid a uh, temptation to go further into darkness or to just, just 100% go that direction with no, no qualms for anything else. I have a hunger for this. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man would have been the same way. Like, cause it, he had to been an adult to be able to get rid of the, you know, to have that sort of sanity and maturity to get rid of the, or know that even if he still, he loved the power, he still knew he had to get rid of it. Yeah. He was sure knew something was wrong. Right. The kid, uh-uh, hunger. I'm hungry. Don't care. Kids are sociopaths, pretty much. And uh, they, he, he wanted it, man. Didn't give a shit. Like, yeah, this is making me feel better. Like, uh, the, the way... The only thing I really liked about this story was the, the way they hid his existence in terms of, like, he would make sure to go after people that no one would ever question would be murdered or to murder someone else. It was a little too easy. I, I actually, I actually enjoyed that. I thought it was. I thought that like, if, I thought it added a whole level of realism to this, to this creature feature, basically. Since I used that term earlier, no, I do. Like it, it makes sense. It's like it's like old school Morbius. Morbius wouldn't go after 
he would go after like drug addicts and whatnot, and right. he'd go after criminals because it's like you know part of it was justice and part of it was who's gonna miss these people. Oh yeah. Least... So, I, mean, I can totally, I can totally see that like, going after going after like home the homeless or right. criminals or, and and it made sense with him like him him building himself up because if he works for the the mayor's office, who would suspect him? Correct. Like, I was like, that makes that makes sense. But then, if he's working for the mayor's office, he's got to be out in the day every now and then. And when he when he met up with uh, the, the big dude, who's I can never remember his goddamn name, was fighting Batman at the moment. Mister Worth. Mister, yeah, uh, that was during the day. Like, I'm trying to. I'm pretty sure he had sunglasses on. Just one of those things that didn't dig it out of the box. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm not shitting on it. I just. I just feel like it, it was a little too easy of a fix. Like, it was like, uh, it was because of a magic bullet. Oh, okay. I, 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 well, I, I, well, the whole thing is, too, you got to remember, again, he grew up with this. He's had time to think about it. He's had time to, like, you know, he had his, you know, if he's, say, 30 right now, he's had this thing in him for 22 years. Right. Like, he's had time to be like, what do I need? To, he had time to formulate a plan. What do I need to do? to make this easier. I know I need to do this. I know I enjoy doing this. How can I make this work and not end up just being, you know, stuck in jail, not able to, you know, feed because like I said, like you said, you said it's all food means nothing to him. Now he's purely living off of this violence. So, I mean, he's got, he's got, he's got to get that fixed somehow. I mean, he's, he's basically a well-kept tr- freaking drug addict for you know, all intents and purposes. And how, he, he's, he needs to figure out how he's going to get his next fix. That's a great analogy because, you know, they, they, addicts figure out a way to hide it. Like, they, they will find a way. They will find yeah. a way. I saw this uh, quote the other day. It's like, uh, broke, homeless, crack addicts will find a way to get their crack that day. And you're yeah. and you're bitching about this, like like mm-hmm. have the, uh, the the tenacity of a crackhead. Uh, but when you mentioned prison, man, like man, it, it popped in my head. If he he digs, he's constantly craving violence. Okay, I get it. That's awesome. I, like I'm, I'm fucking in love with this guy. Um, in, in terms of an evil character, because I I you know I love heels just 100. percent But why, yeah. but why not a prison? 100 percent violence. If you're able, if 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 you were able to, if you were able to get the right people right away, and just feed off the violence and protect yourself, you infected the warden while you infect everyone else, and you've got like what, like thirty thousand dudes locked up in one prison, and eventually they're all yours, and you got an yeah, but... army of thirty thousand dudes. Well, that's the thing though. He's got to. He's got to be able to. I think he's got to. Cause he's got to be in close proximity to infect them. No, so if he's like, if he if if they figure it out and he's stuck in like solitary, he's screwed. No, yeah, of course. That's why he's got to get the warden first. You get the warden first, couple of the guards, and then some of the bigger dudes, and you just start getting instigating riots, and you know, like uh, the warden's covering up for you. And no one, no one knows the difference, and eventually you've got yourself an army. Yeah, but if he gets thrown in solitary right away, absolutely. I don't yeah. know. I'm just like I'm armchair booking on this one, man, because I really fucking love this character. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot they can do with it. I mean, freaking both. Uh, we've mentioned it before. Both Batman and Detective have been putting out a crap ton of new characters, and a lot of them have been hitting really hard. Really, hitting really hard over the last year or two. 
Mr. Worth getting, you're correct, by the way, Mr. Worth getting completely encased in concrete. Is this not a superhero, a supervillain, like, origin story there itself? Like, th think about Clayface. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's, it, like, obviously this isn't, like, super irradiated magic concrete, but, like, he just got encased in concrete. There's going to be something happen. Uh, Huntress. Oh, that hurt. Oh, yeah, Huntress got infected. Like she finds out, like literally, as soon as she finds out what the what they need to do to get uh get vile handled, she gets infected, and he puts the creature inside her, and she ends up flipping out and attacking Batman. While at the same time, she she keeps telling him the light. You know that's that's how you beat him. Batman be a Batman figures it out. So he ends up encasing freaking Worth inside the concrete and then turning around and using some type of flare on Huntress to free her. And the interesting part about it, though, is while when he when he flashes freaking Huntress, Vile himself feels it. 100%. And it's both the man and the uh, and the creature. It's it definitely they took all the best parts of like any sort of like evil symbiotic like uh, character from any of the comics like and put it in a vial. I love the fact that he's, I, I like the fact that he's like he's tiny. He's not a big dude. He doesn't have a, like he doesn't have a superhero costume. He's whatever he wants to be. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also love the fact watching him be evil as a kid because I was I am a huge evil Ernie fan and that's what or evil Ernie started if you ever read that old chaos comic books he was basically like a crazy kid that just got bullied a lot and snapped one day and killed his bullies and killed his mom and dad and uh, went to an insane oh, wow. asylum and then pledged his soul to an evil uh, evil uh, goddess of death which was you know uh, right up my alley <laughs> my kid <kiddie. laughs> yeah 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 pretty much yeah thank you yeah but yeah no so we end up uh you know, seeing how everything goes out, and then turns out Batman plans on uh, turning himself in, both Bruce Wayne and Batman. That way, um, he can get the police off his back. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see what happens next. And their t title in the next issue: Bruce Wayne goes to jail. It was it was so funny because you finish it, and then you get into more of the origin story with Vile. But then the very next book I read after this was The Detective, and like. Bruce Wayne's in jail already. Oh, he's 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 in custody. He's in custody. Like the 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 segue from one book to the other just made me really happy, especially because it went from like super agile, uh, you know, just isn't as rich as he used to be to older Batman. Like, yeah. not, not as much re uh, resources at his fingertips. Anything else you wanted to to say before we move on to the detective? The detective. No, um, you know, it was like I said, it was really cool to see. Uh... See Vile's origin story, and then we got like a in a more in-depth one. Turns out he actually had his um his mother kill his brother. Oh, I love that headline. <laughs> I love the headline. Was it uh, but, mother brutally murders son? Boy murders yeah. pal. Foster child survives. High school gym. Yeah, and it's just it, it's just interesting, it's like. Apparently that was seemed to be the first time. That's when we find out that if they take out the uh, the creature, it'll kill them both. So they end up sewing him back up. Actually, and freaking yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's crazy to see what's that, what happened to poor Hugh, and you know, 
And it's and it's one of those things. You know, would Michel have been as broken if he didn't have that creature in him? Or was he already screwed up and the creature just kind of gave him an avenue to show it? I love the way that the art was different in this one. Uh, Simon Gao did the, uh, no, he did the colors. T-Rex did the writer and artist. Uh, obviously a uh, reference to one of the best punk bands of all time. But the, the textures on the characters, like it, when you, the first page of Life and Times of Hughville, like, like when they zoom in, like close up on his mouth, like, like you remember when like you'd watch Ren and Stimpy and it was like, you know, pretty basic stylized animation, but then they would zoom in on something for a second. Yeah. And it was like super detailed and really gross. Like mm-hmm. there, there's little details like the, the, the crust and blood around his blood stained mouth and like the, the cuts around it and the, the way he smiles, the, the way the teeth are, the, the, the textures of the, the, the line cook's face and the, his stubble, even like the way they, they texture his, uh, his face when he's a kid wearing his sunglasses. And uh, we get that um, before you get too far. Uh, you remember how Beetlejuice like had mold on him on his, on his, mm-hmm. on, on, yeah. on his, on his neck and that was reminiscent of that. But then we get a really fun little foreshadowing thing here. Uh, in the second page, he's coming. Uh, he's coming out of the the boys' bathroom after obviously feeding. The fight mm-hmm. ensues, and we see the poster in the back. It came from outer space. Yeah. Some fun little foreshadowing there. We got that spore-looking bacteria or or tapeworm, whatever the hell it is. It's gorgeous. The coloring in it, color palette's great. The the spittle around the mouth. The the the, the way that 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 people are posed in this like it's not like the mom is just coming out of the room standing there like what are you doing no she's 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 holding herself she's aghast and the, the look on his face is he's like pulling this guy's shirt like about to destroy him and then we get to the x-ray and the throat like all the little bits of art and then the green around his mouth when she comes in the infected mommy and then we get straight to the uh the, the way you can easily move a storyline quickly uh we got three headlines here Boom, 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 boom. That would have taken, you know, pages and pages. They would have expanded on it. No, we got just enough. And then we get this. I, I dig the older Batman here. The scars on his on his face, like the the reminiscence of the uh, less body armor costume that Frank Miller gave us. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Fucking love it. This was great. Bye. Yeah, and, was, and the last page is just him eating the uh, the guy at the truck stop. And like just the uh, the full extension of his mouth is freaking um, very reminiscent of Predator, obviously. A hundred percent. God, that's gorgeous. And Alien, Predator. It's like Predator and Alien at the same time with like some extra like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft gore or or eighties style. But that the Joker, like the 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 mug shot of the Joker was fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> that is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It's definitely not the prettiest thing to look at, but if you can appreciate art. Uh, before we do get into the detective, we keep getting this wonderful screen panel here of a skeleton holding, uh, you know, a, like an iPad or something like that. You know. Yeah. Multiversal mysteries to be solved. What team is Oracle forming and why? What is Fear State? All right, so that was a while ago, Fear State. Um... Well, I think that's what they're leading to with uh, the Scarecrow thing and Batman Detective. Correct. So it just made so. me so happy that we're reading so many DC comics that they all matter. They're all part of canon. Like, even if like one time one thing is happening at a time or non-synchronous, 
it all matters. Like it, it makes mm-hmm. you feel justified in the the money we're putting forth into like reading these books and the, the amount of like effort we put into slaving over it. Well, Jonathan Kent be able to fill his father's shoes as Superman. Okay, I didn't give a shit about Jonathan Kent until like it it just like popped up on this pad. Okay, this is something I should care about because everything else that's coming on here, I give a shit about. Which here yeah. is we're in the black room. We talked about that last week. Um, yeah. Fastest man alive ever in his past. That's, an, that's an obvious Raleigh Wally West reference, yeah. Are you getting that feedback? Sorry, guys, we had a little bit of feedback there, but we just had to make sure it was just a connection. But yeah, let's uh, let's uh, we're talking about this uh, director Bones here, and uh, anything with a Black Lantern makes me happy. I just love the fact that DC cares to to integrate their stories like this hardcore and make it have such a payoff. Like we've had so many good stories in the past couple of years. Or, like well, it's New Fifty Two, obviously. Well, actually, before it's New Fifty Two, it's been a long time. But uh, I'm digging it, and we get nice Infinite Frontier list. And I can't wait, man. It's everything about it. Like, uh, make sure if you, um, I think they're free. Actually, what's it called? They are called. It comes out with like previews and Marvel previews. Uh, DC Connect. Uh, I've got the. I'm looking at the one for that for everything that comes out in May this week. And just all the previews, like I'm already looking at the cover of Teen Titans Academy number five. Red X has his mask off. Well, it's like oh, nice. in the uh, in the cover. You don't get to see his face, but even get to see like uh, the variant covers. You know, that I always care. New Flash, Joker, Batman, Second Son, uh, The Nice House on the Lake. That's actually a really good black label book that's coming out that I really enjoy. Other history of Marvel of uh, DC Universe uh, number five already came out. Let's see, Swamp Thing, Truth and Justice, Wonder Girl, Wonder Woman. It it should be free if you get there early enough. Oh, of course, Man Magazine, and of course the yeah. D- I got the DC Connect magazine. Yeah. Deathstroke, sweet. Here's all the graphic novels coming out. Collected editions. Fables, Compendium Three. I actually dodged that bullet, but. It, I have an ex-girlfriend that actually loved it. She had good taste too. Nice. Yeah, give me some. Let's let's do detective, all right? So we we get we, we find Bruce Wayne in a is it, is he in London or is he in, he's in Paris? I think they're heading to Paris. I don't think they're there yet, but uh, I could be wrong about that. They're in no, a, he was definitely he was in Paris because they uh they we thought they murdered Ducard last issue, correct. who is one of the guys that taught Batman when he was. Uh, before he was Batman, obviously. The parallel from last Detective Comics to this made me extremely happy on this one because, yeah, why not? I'd like to see how Bruce Wayne would talk himself out of fucking prison instead of just accidentally get blown out. But the the way things go down, man, like, you know, if I so I was completely convinced you were the Batman, but you drank the water. <laughs> he yeah. He got bamboozled, and even he didn't know it. But like the the way he was able to like detect cyanide poisoning, quickly get to a pharmacy, break his ass out of there, rip handcuffs at, at, at the age of presenting him to break handcuffs like it's nothing, like a zip tie. Mm-hmm. And even that's fucking difficult as shit, man. And the I'm I'm really suspicious of this this little girl, man. Oh the uh, the squire? Yeah, I'm really suspicious of her. I think she's a plant. It is. There's there's something going on here. 
There, there's she's she's there too easily. Yeah, no, I can see, I can see that. You know, he's trying to sneak himself out of the police department and have him just run into her, and she is by herself with a lawyer. She's she's there a little too conveniently most of the time, and yeah. the mobile cave was fucking cool. Like, like I didn't even care. Like, like okay, so we got a mobile cave. It's basically like a huge tank RV, and like ah, oh, no one's gonna care about that driving down the road. Ah, nobody will notice. It's Europe. Hmm. Pretty much. Yep. What do you think, man? How much fun do you have this one? Oh, I enjoyed it tremendously. It's it's uh it's interesting to see the interplay. You know, we get uh the original squires now in the night barrel, and freaking it's it's interesting to see that uh these characters grow up, and like because like when last time we saw her, she was you know a teenage girl trying to trying to be you know. How about the superhero who was the knight at the time, and she graduated to become the knight herself, and that's always super cool to see. And I'd be interested to see a little bit more of her, but uh, we'll see what happens with that, you know. But um, we find out more about the uh, uh, vaguely more about the lady who is behind this entire this entire group of people trying to destroy Batman by destroying the people who he saved. And that's kind of super interesting. And then at the very end of it, we see him and the new squire looking at all these people, and he's just like, activate the European Alliance of the Bat, which means yet again, Batman is three steps ahead because he figures out who the uh, who this who the lady in charge of the bat of the uh, I can't remember what the group's called actually right now, but um. Finds out who the who the leader is, and he goes to activate his his group to counteract them. It's Equilibrium. That's the name of the group. The hundreds of people that died while he was asleep. That hit. Yeah. That hit he slept for he slept, he slept for two days, and hundreds of people are dead. But yeah, no, this is this is probably one of my favorite books right now, just because it's. It's interesting to see that whole thought process of, hey, Batman saved these people. Can you do it again? Floating head of Oracle made me pop. It's like Zordon shit. <laughs> nice. Just loving Oracle, man. She's all over the place. She's in all of our favorite books right now. I can't wait to meet all this uh, European Alliance of the Bat. I remember, like, slaving over her. Like, like, especially the two cops in the silhouette. I want to know... What two cops are part of an allegiance of the bat, <laughs> alliance of the bat, that are still on the job? That's that sounds fucking great. The dude. Well, it can't be Bullock, so but it can't be Montoya. No, no, it's got to be like the, the 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 Euro versions of them. Possibly, yeah, you can't even see. You can see half of one of their faces and none of the other. There's a little girl right above them, and then we got the dude in the turban that looks badass with his killer fucking beard. And we, and then of course the the Soviet looking dude at the bottom right. Hell yeah. Nope. Batman off all over again. Nah, this was such a fun issue, man. I, I was actually really surprised that it ended so fast. Like, uh, I'm not sure if I read it that fast or if I was just so engrossed in it that. It just happened that way because yeah, this is a this was a thick ass issue. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. thirty something pages, but it was the the way he how hard it hit when he's like, the, what did he say? 
Uh, I've rested for longer than I have in years. I mean, you pretty much yeah. just got a knife in your rotator cuff, dude. Yeah, like he slept for two days. But, I mean, the whole European... But he asks the question, though. It, does Batman have, like, a, a league in every in every continent? Is there an Australian League of the Batman? Is there an Asian League of the Batman? Uh, helicopter's taking over again one more time, man. Can you hear it? All right, so you were saying something about an uh, Asian League? Sorry, the, the, the connection got bad. Yeah, that was, that's kind of my thought process. Is like, if we have a... If we've got a European League of the Bat, why wouldn't there be an Asian League of the Bat or an Australian League of the Bat or an African League of the Bat? If, you if, know, how, how far down this rat hole do we go? Uh, I say we go all the way, especially if Andy Kubert's still doing the goddamn pencils and Tom Taylor writing it. Yeah, well, sign me up. Like, if, like, Let's go to each country. I don't give a shit as long as these two guys are doing it. Let's have some fun like yeah. this. I'm really enjoying the fact that he's completely out of his like comfort zone. It's not Gotham. It's not even Metropolis. It's not even fucking Coast City. Like he's yep. he's he's in the UK and they're in or Europe just in general. And you never know what's gonna happen there. I, I really enjoy getting. I mean, it's such it's kind of a morgue thing for me. Like when I get to like watch a really good like European movie. Like remember how how cool it was to watch Snatch the first time. Yeah. Like. They were speaking a whole different language. I mean, like it was the same letters and vowels and you know consonants that we used, but it was it was still a whole different language and in in different settings. Like it, like when you watch V for Vendetta, it's so much cleaner looking than the way like you can tell it's a UK film, and I'm, it's really coming across across like that on this, and I'm really enjoying it, man. But that's it was a quick issue. Uh, I'm glad to say that it wasn't one of those like it tweener issues. Like uh, I was gonna bitch about like uh, the latest issue of Joker. It progressed the story right. I have mm-hmm. every reason to believe that uh, young Squire here is uh, the uh, the baddie. I think she's the leader. That would be the only way to explain it. The only way she knows how to do things. If she was following orders, they would know where he was the entire time, but I think she's toying with him. It's got to be her. Maybe. Could definitely be. Uh, could definitely lead to something. It'd be an interesting little twist. I mean, we haven't we ha- we haven't met her until the beginning of Batman the Detective. She's not a she's a fresh new character. She just took up the mantle of Squire when Squire became the Knight. Correct. Correct. That's all I got for Detective Man. What do you got next? Uh, Do you want to? I guess we just mention it. We we're we're total marks about the latest issue of Joker. I just I had such an issue with the art. Like I was, I, you mentioned it earlier, like how. It's such a great gimmick it is in the latest issue of uh, all the issues of Ronin, Team and T Ronin, mm-hmm. that um, every time there's a flashback, the art goes to the appropriate artwork of the time or to fit the setting. But this, like, I really feel like, I mean, it wasn't bad art. Like I said, it was proportional. It was, it just, everything we've been used to so far, like, I feel like this was done in Sharpie. It was, yeah. It, it, well, like I said, I, I think I think it was. I think if we had like if they'd given us like the last two pages, the way they normally do it, I think it'd be much. It'd be like, oh, okay, cool. It was just a, this is just a flashback as opposed to the entire issue being a flashback. Like the entire the entire issue, the entire story is just how much freaking how obsessed Jim Gordon has been with the Joker and how he how it started. Like, he's over here, he, people are dying because 
he was too busy focusing on the Joker and right. like watching him in Arkham, and he just couldn't get him out of his head. Dent freaking like, this out. Is, of him. This is this is this is yeah. This is his freaking his fall into madness, and you know his hope, we're hoping that he comes out of it because obviously it's been a while. But I mean, he's been obsessed with the Joker for what seems like at least decades. They've never really focused that on, that on Batman, and the Dent freaking out on him really hammered that home. That okay, but like at the same time though, we'd already had it hammered home that he was obsessed with the Joker. They they perfectly got that across in the past four issues. This this the only thing that I can think of is that something happened at this anniversary dinner where the wife drank all the wine and. And you know there's still uneaten food on the table. I, I get it. All right, that's fine. Just especially when you get to the the next pages here with um with punchline mm-hmm. and how. Well, the thing the thing about it is real quick though is that you have to realize this entire that entire flashback issue was all before Killing Joke. Oh, I get that. Like at the end of the day, like. He was messed up with him before. He, he this has been going on forever. This is freaking all pre-killing joke. He was this obsessed. So you're, how much worse does it get after killing joke? You're you're saying that this issue added an extra layer to the to the story, but I, what I'm saying is that I I, I I didn't think it was necessary. I don't know because like I said, it, it like you said, it does add that extra layer. Like he was that obsessed before Joker. Before, this was all before Joker made it personal. Joker legitimately killed his son. Yeah. Joker legitimately can put his daughter in a wheelchair. And this was all like everything. This whole obsession was all before that. How much worse did he get in Jim in Jim's psyche, knowing he could have put a bullet in his head then, and his daughter would still be able to walk. Without the without the chip in her back, right? Or to know that his son would a still be alive, and b possibly not have the mental issues he had, right? Because Jim was so focused on the Joker, and yet couldn't get the job done. And now he's got the opportunity to get the job done, so that somebody else's kid doesn't have to go through what his son went through or his daughter went through. Right. Right. But there's no way they're going to kill the Joker. He's too much of a commercial problem when it comes to Warner Brothers. Um, True. Even for... How close can we get, though? Well, we got that. We got super close uh, the past couple years, you know, when, uh, you know, he was wearing... Joker was wearing his own face. Like, you know, he disappeared into the uh, catacombs of uh, of of the cave uh the the history of like joker being like that they they, they like i don't know if you're, you probably weren't reading it because you haven't mentioned it but um the idea that he's an idea that transcends time itself was happening at the same mm-hmm. time in the pages of uh, fight club fight club two and three with the, the idea that tyler durden has always been there um and i don't know I, they got close enough then i just um uh, yeah, but they've never gotten close enough with freaking with Jim Gordon. Like Jim Gordon, Jim Gordon's an avatar for the reader, basically. Like he is, he's supposed to be the best of us. He is basically Gotham's equivalent of Superman. Like he he he's the big blue Boy Scout. Like Batman, Batman's more than willing to get his hands dirty 
but multiple times Gordon's been the one to pull him out from going too far. Correct. But what happens when Gordon goes too far? Like, God, it'll break you. Like, uh, like if you saw your dad cry or something like that, or, or you're, yeah, it's something like, like yeah. If you if your dad if you if you walked in on your dad putting a bullet in somebody's head, how does that how does that shatter you as a person? To see your dad give in to that moment of weakness, Correct. you know, whether it was whether it was something like that, or like you know, you walked in on your dad freaking doing like some kind of illicit drugs or cheating on your mom or something like that, yeah, you know, because it makes you wonder how much of your life has been a lie, how much of what your dad told you has been a lie. It's funny you say that, man, because I've actually had dreams of like my dad is my dad's my hero, my, mm-hmm. dad's, my dad's the greatest guy in the world, and. um I've had dreams if I caught him cheating on my mom, not that there's ever been hints that he would ever do that. Uh, but yeah. in my dream, I beat him to death in my sleep. Um, but when it comes to, like, this is probably not what you're referencing, but if I walked in on my dad putting a bullet in someone's head, um, I worship the guy enough, I'd be like, all right, where are we putting this guy? <laughs> like, but I mean, yeah, I mean, some people do that. Like I said, some people, it, would, like, it could change your entire relationship. You wonder... If you held your dad on this pedestal and he fell off, yeah, you know, like I've I've had a, you know, I, I was very religious in in high school, and freaking uh, I've had people that I totally believed were men of the Lord do some pretty heinous things, and it you know, it changes your opinion of a lot of things when that happens when you when you hold somebody to that high standard and they don't live up to it. You know that that alters your perception on a lot of things. One hundred percent, man. Thank God you brought, brought, brought this up, brought man. This up, yeah. Like, because like, this is the minefields. Here mind we are in minefields. We 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 were we were dancing around in the last couple of issues, but here's the minefields right here. This is the jazz. Yeah. This is like this is oh one of those things, man. Like I was like, eh, whatever. Like I remember trying to think of like something intelligent to talk about you with this and i just couldn't fucking land on it man the only thing i could land on was like the fact that like my stupid one-sided mind was like i want better art i want better art like give me some like like uh like mm-hmm. like uh like when you're in a dream and you're trying to get water and you're drinking water and it's just not happening like say <laughs> tastes like dr pepper or something yeah yeah exactly man and, yeah and, thank you thank you for Thank you for redeeming something that needed no redemption on that one. Oh, no problem. Especially, <laughs> especially because I was turned off with the the second I see the lector mask on his face. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, no, thank you. But then I see Tinian there, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. Like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, the art wasn't bad. It just wasn't my favorite. Like in no way. Like if anything it was better than the art in the in the walking dead i mean the facial expressions are great uh the human characteristics are great like them tending to gordon in the the um ambulance and the way that he even got the the like you only see a mustache and the, and the eyeglass illuminated eyeglasses but you can still feel what gordon's feeling on that yeah and the the, the, the look of abhorrence in dense eyes when he's just getting madder and madder and losing all his patience was fucking boring. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing too. When you're a team and somebody just doesn't live up to their part or doesn't live up to what you think their part should be, you know, you end up freaking, you know, you you, you lash out. It is what it is. 
you know, and freaking people just, you know, and you're not sure, you're not sure how to handle it sometimes. But yeah, no, I definitely think the, uh, I think the art was there for, I think the art had its purpose. It's definitely, I agree with you. It's not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but I definitely think it's, it's got its purpose for what it, it's the reason they use it. I get, you know, it just occurred to me, Mr. Samson, rich brother of cannibal in Arkham in his nice cozy mm-hmm. digs. There's like, like you watch a episode of Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it has anything to do with the storyline to deal with like the, the main detectives, that sort of thing. There's no such thing as a stray character. If, nope. if, if, if there's no such thing and I'm thinking this guy is a straight character okay move along no this guy is going to be this was maybe one of the other purposes of this in uh, conjunction with what you said about getting more in depth extra layer extra uh, understanding what it's like you know with the, the dad metaphor you had there is who the fuck is this guy look at the look on his face as he's eating obviously raw meat obviously eating raw meat while his brother's in jail for being a cannibal and i mean like there's there's this guy has something to do with it i mean it was obvious that you know we get uh what's lady bane's real name um vengeance 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 this guy has something to do with it this is this is a big fucking deal with this guy here well that's the thing they make it a point to be like you know hey if i'm gonna move if i'm gonna move joker into my brother's ward i want a favor yeah, like you, you're gonna. You're, I don't do this for free. You owe me. And freaking, there, there's gonna come a time where he's gonna ask for that that payment. And freaking, I mean, it's pretty apparent what that payment's gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's gonna he's gonna ask him to turn over Joker. And that's gonna be uh, you know, come to Jesus moment right there. Oh, Dent getting mad. Oh, that that hit. No coin. Like he's literally grabbing him by like his collar like jim is just god and the other thing that's going on is jim is such a uh it's gonna we haven't said it out loud yet but this is a shit or get off the pot comic book Mm -hmm. something's gonna happen and no one's gonna like it and and jim better be able to go to sleep at night Uh, that's the most i can hope that he can go to sleep at night after this Or, or like not the you know like a baby because he put a bolt in the Joker's head, but like something to like. He's not Constantine. That's like you know I I fuck these people around. Go fuck. I'll deal with it later. I'm just gonna get drunk. Um, yeah, that's not. Jim. Yeah, that's that's not then. That's not Jim as a character. Nor nor should it be. You know, freaking Jim is a like you said. Jim's a by the book guy. At the end of the day, he he wants he wants Joker put away for life. You know, and this this isn't Jim. And we're gonna see how it uh. When push comes to shove, is Jim willing to throw away his morals to uh, to you know save people? Is he you know is he willing to basically martyr himself? Because that's what it's going to end up being. It's going to be the death of his ideals if he puts a bullet in Joker's brain. You know, and again, you know, like his uh, like we were talking earlier about him saving his kids and him saving you know his daughter and his son. How's it? How is Barbara going to feel? If freaking how how's Barbara's relationship with Jim gonna go? Right. If freaking Jim puts a bullet in the Joker's head, that's all he has left. Yep. He's lost his wife. He's lost his son. All he's got left is Barbara. 
It doesn't have bad. Yeah. They're not friends. They're not hanging out. They're not sitting at the at the local cop beer, uh, dive bar taking a shot, not talking about shit, but still feeling each other. You know, <laughs> like that that yeah. doesn't happen with these guys. This is one of those moments where like, I I really wish I'd met you like in high school or something like that. Like, cause like it would have been one of those things. Like, hey, I bootlegged the uh, my my friend of a friend. I got them to download this or I bootlegged this off HBO last night, did you get ECW? And like and then just like like here's Batman Year One and here's some ECW. I know there's different timelines, one of those things was kid things. Like uh, yeah. I have a friend from back in the day that uh unfortunately turned to drugs and uh I had to unfortunately step away from. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember watching like uh I'd record Spawn, and his parents didn't give a fuck what he did. So I ride. I, I'm staying at Robbie's house tonight, and I okay, cool. Like, cause he lived like a block away on base, and we'd stay up late just rewatching all the Spawns. But like, nice. It, just rewatching it, like you know, the the I've got it on tape somewhere with the, even with the Todd intros, not just the the fancy one. But uh, yeah, dude, it would have been cool. It would have been cool going to high school with you. <laughs> it would have been cool going to high school with you, man. Uh, well, we met at the right time. God puts us in the right spots when he uh, says so, but I'm getting cheesy and mushy on you because I do that. I apologize. All good, all good. Better have that fucking ECW tape, motherfucker. Dude, I always had those ECW. That's the first one. Uh, I think I was in 10th grade science class. Freaking next thing you know, my buddy JR's got uh, guilty as charged 99 when uh, Taz wins the belt from Shane Douglas. I think I borrowed that thing. I watched it probably a dozen times before I gave it back to him. Freaking uh, RVD versus Lance Storm. Freaking, uh, I want to say it was Balls and Axel versus, I think, the FBI, maybe. That's awesome, man. Freaking good stuff. Great stuff. Sage Sin just hit me up. After 10.30, usually is late. Any day, I suppose. Sorry, my schedule's in the air. No worries. We just want you on the show. Ah, she's such a sweetheart, man. She's like, hey, you know, my... She's nervous about interviews. I'm like, it's not an interview. It's a conversation. If you want to... If this girl wants to talk about fucking goth shit for an hour and a half, I'm going to let her talk about goth shit for an hour and a half. <laughs> Sweet. Speaking of which, what do you what do you got on the uh, what do you got on the agenda for tonight? Oh, on gothness, man. Uh, oh, that that's that's safe for minefields after dark. Um, no, I'm just kidding, um, man. Torn here. Let me get into extreme carnage real quick, man. I'll I'll be short on this one. I was okay. really fucking reluctant about this comic book because we just went into like all this carnage stuff, all this symbiote stuff. Um, God, even before that, like, with Donny Cates doing, like, the, the Planet of Symbiotes, and, like, it's just been, like, symbiote of symbiote thing. And I'm like, you know, after, I, I was I was a little relieved when King and Black in, and I was like, okay, let's just chill out on the symbiotes for a little bit, right? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. Extreme And more symbiotes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, last issue um, of Venom, we like, mysteriously, we get the reappearance of Flash, Flash Thompson. He's back. He's... On the streets, he can feel the symbiotes. We haven't, he hasn't revealed too far into that yet, but uh, he is working like at a soup kitchen type thing with some other, uh, you know, army vets. We've got a uh, Friends of Humanity, um, what do you call them? A, you know, not really a, it's a revival, but it's like, it's like, put it, that's actually the best word for it. Like, when you go to a, like a religious revival, you know, it's a bunch of Zalots, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. 
Friends of Humanity. You remember them from uh, Friends of Humanity? From X-Men, yeah. From X-Men. You know, they, they're back. And we've got a prominent senator here endorsing them, being one of their main leaders. And like, you know what? We're not about the... It's not just the mutants. We've got aliens now. <laughs> like, we have to... We have to send a message, and uh, at the same time, though, uh, Carnage, the, the the symbiote is back. It's it's living in the ocean. It, it, it infected a little a little flounder fish, and then it found a, a bigger shark. The shark jumps out of the water as the story progresses and eats some Somali-ass fucking pirate chilling on the beach. <laughs> it infects ah. it infects him. He brings it back to his little insurgents, and and then it's it's basically moving from one person to one person. And a, a prominent doctor is getting picked up at the at the airport, and the, the poor bastard that's there to get him is like, "Hey, you know, you know, come come in, doctor. You know, I'm like I don't change the radio, and oh, my phone's ringing. Let me check. Oh, it's it's from you." And he's like, "Ah, oh, that is bad news." And like, but it's it's Cassidy, and it, while that's happening, Flash Thompson's he's moving stuff into the soup kitchen with some old uh, with some not battle buddies. This is a very specific term, but but that's something. Your battle buddy is something that you you go to for support, and they check on you that sort of thing because you were in the shit together. Okay. But this is more of like they're like surrogate battle buddies, and you know, talking about like man, I, the dude's like man, I just want to be, I want to be back in the shit. You know, I can't do it anymore, but like I want to. I'm even thinking about doing like security guard work for like a pop star. I want to feel like I'm protecting something in the shit. Like I'm like I matter. And right then, Thompson all of a sudden does not only does he feel carnage. But he immediately is in the car where Carnage just killed that poor guy that came to pick the doctor up from the airport. He's like, you're not Cassidy. He's like, he's not, it doesn't really matter that he's not Cassidy. The fact is that no symbiote was more in tune other than Venom and Brock. Uh, yeah. Venom kept, you know, Brock kept Venom at, at arm's length, but they were still one. But... Carnage was all about it, you know, like, like they, they had similar motives, like the, the imprinting of, Car of Cletus Cassidy's uh, consciousness is inside this, this symbiote, and yeah. Thompson's is literally sitting in the car, like, not physically, and Carnage comes out, like, yeah, we've got shit to do, and Iron Man, like, he wakes up about to attack his battle buddy, like, he wasn't really there, but he was attacking something, attacked, attacked his buddy, and you know, instead of, he was just turning an anti-venom and Tony Stark shows up like, Hey, like, you know, I know you're alive. Like, uh, I need your help. And takes him to, uh, his laboratory and shows him the, uh, one of the symbiotes that he enslaved, but also impregnated it with extremists. So there's that. And, oh wow. and then, uh, like, listen, I need you to be my eyes and ears pretty much here. Like, you know, figure out what's going on. Um, we think it has to do with this uh, Friends of Humanity thing. And, like, Thompson's, you know, in the hood, in the hat, you know, the standard incognito Marvel uh, movie getup. And he immediately is picked out. But it, the, the, the senator that we're talking about here has already been infected with Cletus Cassidy. Their bodies don't last long enough. Like, where Cassidy could, like, it was, you know, him and the symbiote. The symbiote with Carnage's, uh, with, with, I'm sorry, forgive me, um, Cassidy's like consciousness it uses the bodies up fast they don't last long oh okay they don't last long but uh, artwork is great uh, we've got uh, 12 issues from what I understand here uh, Extreme Carnage we just finished Absolute Carnage 
And we're leading to issue two, and it just says next scream. Fuck yeah, give me more scream. Loved her from Maximum Carnage. <laughs> like 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 uh, it was uh, who was it that was in the uh, preview for Venom two? Was it was it Shriek? So I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, scream. Yeah, let's do this. And really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought I was gonna hate it, considering I just like got a extra dose of uh, symbiotes from what's going on and. Uh, before we get more into anything else, uh, the last little bit was that I'd want to like sw- quickly switch gears to was Skybound X number one, where we have a Ryan Otley illustrated Ryan um, Ryan Otley illustrated Robert Kirkman written small short story. It was about ten pages long. Rick Grimes two thousand chapter one. Uh, Rick is dead in the comics. He died in the second to last issue and. We have flashbacks of the of the zombie war, and then all of a sudden he wakes up the same way he did in issue one in a hospital bed, but he's on a alien ship, and he's given a suit, and he escapes, and all the people that are dead in The Walking Dead are alive. I mean, it's 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 gruesome, gruesome things. Like you, you've never read Invincible. But one of the things about Ryan Otley is this guy can descri- can draw a uh, mutilated human body <laughs> or an exploding human body or a eviscerated alien body uh, we get Michonne here she immediately, she's she got lightsabers the the governor's there like uh, I know that doesn't mean anything if you haven't read it like she gets her head just clamped in half his hand's gone governor's there but governor was missing a hand but like hey you know he's got a clamp <laughs> it was a lot of That's fun all you need and Rick wields Michonne. Michonne has the the katana blade. He, she's got a lightsaber in this one. And um, but they they do the one thing that the one thing I popped for the one thing that Kirkman has gone on record for saying for years since The Walking Dead came out is that he'll never reveal what started the zombie apocalypse. But in this one, it was aliens. <laughs> no, it's aliens, but it's a it's it's it, uh, what an, I, I said the word earlier. It's, it wasn't zany. It wasn't wacky. It was Gonzo. This issue is absolutely fucking Gonzo. And yeah, to be continued. Let's do this. Let's do. That. I didn't actually. I, I got too busy to finish reading everything else, but I was really excited about that. It was so much fun to see. Uh, the main reason I brought it up was other than like revealing, you know, quote unquote, not probably not. It's, it's all like you know, it's it's a work. Um, what caused the uh, zombie apocalypse was that it was a bunch of comic artists just having some fucking fun. I mean, like, like in, in, as a wrestler, you, you've been I, I, you've been in the business for 19 years now. Um, you've been at shows that were heavily regimented, heavily scripted, and then you've been at shows that you know was pretty fucking willy nilly. But yeah. then when you, my question to you, what? Is what I'm describing similar to what it was like when you got to have some fucking fun with some wrestlers that even though it wasn't heavily scripted or heavily regimented, it was the right people at the right time, and you guys just had some fucking fun. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, You know, one of the best things is taking a group of guys like that that come from that place where you're just, like you said, heavily regimented, and then going out and doing like some small town show in like another state and getting those guys together and we just go out there and you just have a good time yep. you know you can yep. you can do a lot of what you're working with you know what you already know but then you can paper pepper in some weird wacky stuff and sometimes it you know sometimes it works and sometimes it's sometimes it's just for you and it's just funny right like i remember the uh i worked uh 
when I was in Fusion, I'd always wrestle this guy named Paul Diamond, not the AWA star. And freaking, we'd always worked. We'd always worked together. But I remember this time it was us two, and uh, I can't remember his. I remember his first name was Eddie, but I can't remember what his last name was. And we just ended up doing this series of triple threat matches in like just different places. And for like just different feds randomly. Nice. And never did we never did one in fusion. But every show, one of us would give the other guy a Bronco Buster. Nice. And it, and we just we, we would just talk shit the entire time we were doing it. And every time the, the next show, another guy would give it to the other to a third person. To the third person in the match. So if you took one one show, you'd end up taking it the next show. And it was never discussed. It was never thought of beforehand. It was ju- it would just spontaneously happen, and the whole time you, you'd freaking be sitting here taking this move, and this guy's talking shit to you, and you would simultaneously be talking shit back, and nobody was none the wiser, because it was just you know three guys that knew what they were doing goofing around. And the crowd was enjoying it as much as you were. Yeah, they just uh, well the, the whole thing is they didn't get the joke. They didn't know about it. But even then. We would just do it, and freaking, it was just you know just part of the match. That's gnarly, man. That's absolutely wonderful to hear, man. I, like I want to hear more stories like that from you in the future, man. Like that's uh, that's how it's done. That's how good magic happens. That's absolutely how good magic. Right place, right time, right people. Like the the puzzle pieces came together for a puzzle you didn't even know you were assembling together, and it just fucking yeah. happened so fast that you didn't even have to think about. A story when I was talking about that, you know exactly. You landed on it immediately. Hell yeah! But yeah, that's what I got on. Uh, that's what I got on. Uh, Carnage, man. It was it was fun. The artwork was. It was good. It it was good enough to be a number one. It reminded me of the artwork, and I don't know why my mind always goes to the difference between X Men Alpha, for uh, Age of Apocalypse with Midoriya doing the cover. To X Men Omega, mm-hmm. where it was still good, but it was just, mm, I just, I'm used to something else. Not that it's bad. Again, not that it's bad, but like I'm, just, I'm, I'm calling it, calling it like I sees it, you know. Gotcha. Here's that. Let's uh, let's do some Hellions, man. Uh, God, like we popped like motherfuckers from the last issue, man. Yeah, it was, it was solid, man. Enjoyed it a lot. If you need the Hellions. Freaking going crazy at the uh, Hellfire Club Gala. Uh, the uh, the Nightcrawler quote at the beginning. I really love how certain issues have been going on lately. Uh, it's usually X Men, but like there's always a quote at the beginning of the uh, latest issue of the Immortal in, in Hulk. We've got we run and run, bounding to a better future, but the past keeps pace, breathing at our necks. We dare not rest, Nightcrawler, and to. Uh, just coincide with it, the Immortal Hulk, issue 48, that came out this week. Al Ewing starts it out with a quote in white on black. And I dream of a grave, deep and narrow, where we clasp each other in our arms as with iron bars, and I would hide my face in you, and I would hide your face in me, and nobody would ever see us anymore. And the, the, the literary like tool that they're using is they're they're giving you a cipher here and we, we get the the nightcrawler thing and this really resounds 100 percent with me considering that nightcrawler i think has the most 
astoundingly difficult job and duty and born to be the one to do it. Um, task at hand of creating the mutant religion. He has to watch. That's, that's the thing about writing for a Bible. You have to watch. You have to be a participant. You have to uh, be somewhat uh, objective. And we get this Nightcrawler quote, and then we get straight into a nasty, dirty tale of one of the nastiest people that you could possibly deal with in mutantdom is Mr. Sinister. There's no trusting him. You don't know which one it is he is. Is it a clone? Is it a copy? Is it a holographic image? Uh, is he even really fucking there? Um, it, who's, who's pulling his strings? And But before that, we get the... Uh, God, help me out with this one, man, because I, like I, like, I feel like when I read this Hellions, like I missed an if, issue or two because we've got this uh, mad scientist here. Yeah, we got the mad scientist. He's, I, I I also don't know who he is, but I remember... Because the whole thing is, prior to the Hellfire Club Gala, they invaded... Um, they went to get... Um, freaking not Nanny, but... Uh, but Orphan Maker's outfit, his uniform back, so that way they could contain him. Right. And when they did, Nanny had found this, this small baby that was either a mutant or... A, some kind of robotics and it kidnapped him and the uh this mad scientist is over here trying to talk about how you know that that creature escaped you know the ai program and it, it the ai program is so advanced that it created its own mutant offspring wonderful and the doctor who was in charge is is panicking and they're like, you know, hey, call the Zeta team for him. And he's like, no, don't do that. They're psychopaths. Remember what I said earlier? Mystery band of commandos. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he, you know, they come up behind him and he's just like, oh, shit. And freaking they pick him up and there's all these substantially larger than this small, this small doctor's freaking persons. And they got green faces with. What almost appears to be yellow smiley faces on, yeah, kind, kind of like kind of reminiscent of the Hulk, actually. That's a good point. You know, and then we just see them carry off this guy, and then we go to uh, Nanny's ship, which is where they, you know, they, what they got back because that's where uh, Orphan Maker's universe is, his outfit is, and you know, she's over here just feeding the child that she kidnapped. Talking about how cute he is and whatnot, and yeah, the whole thing is that nobody else knows she did this because they weren't able to take anything from the island other than what was theirs. You know, then, I wasn't thinking Hulk face. I was thinking like that they're the Hulk with a smiley face. I was thinking more like uh, like if you look at the baby smiling face, like it, like it, like there's some like posthumanist like. A technology worshiping, like absolutely all about the human race. Fuck everything else. Uh, you know, ends justify the means. We'll do what we got to do. Um, but then I, I get to the the credits page, and uh, I've mentioned before, but I just want to bring it up because I want everyone to know if this is the first time you're listening or missed a couple episodes, is that further down. In the credits, we see Zeb Wells, Ryder, uh, Rohe, Antonio, 
Rain Barolo, color artist, but then, oh, well, I got to mention BC, uh, virtual calligraphy, Ariana Maher. Uh, but further down, Jonathan Hickman, head of X. I, I've never seen that happen before. It, this is this is his, this is his spider web. Uh, nice. Especially like, the, the the way the story unfolds. So like you know like, she's feeding the baby. She, you know no one's gotta know. No one's gonna know. And then we get to this, table scene. I mean like, there's no food. There's no drink. They're just sitting at a table, just sitting there bullshitting. Mm-hmm. Just roasting fucking great crow. <laughs> no, they're not. They're uh, great crows roasting empath. Well, they're roasting the each whole, other. No, the whole the whole joke is they're just they're. He's like, I did not, you know, on wild childs over here. Like that's not what great crow told me. And he's like, Yeah, you sure did. You saved us from Cameron Hodge. You know, you're a team player. Ha ha ha. When, and he's like, I bullshit. When did that happen? I like I I, I was that, that was in the same story a few issues ago prior to. Uh, I missed a um, pr- prior to the gala. I missed a Cameron Hodge story. Yep, you totally did. It was good too. Uh, but yeah, no, that he's totally they're totally roasting him because the whole joke is that Cameron you know, or Empath is a Empath out for himself. His whole power is that he can make other people control. Uh, he can control their thoughts and their emotions. And now he's you know he ends up caring about his teammates and that appalls him. And then Quanon comes in, and Grey Crow tries to help him, help her out, talk to her, because you know, sheepish look on his face, and while she's got that like side head tilted, like you know, analyzing the situation, she almost looks human. Yeah, because the whole joke is like Grey Crow, like you know, former member of the other uh, Reavers, and he's basically like the heart and soul of this book right now because he's. He's trying to keep the team together, and like you automatically assume, like I would anyway, I did that Havoc was going to be the second in command or the leader, and like Havoc's just he's he's just broken. Havoc's like Grey Crow's having this, but yeah, but he's just having to he's having to step up in this and try to try to keep this team together, and like this is really kind of his issue because you know she, and you know because is just like you know stay away from me, John, and just kind of leaves him hanging there. And freaking, then we turn around and um, Orphan Maker is playing with the baby, and Nanny walks in and just just starts railing all over him. She's calling him calling him a stupid, stupid boy. And for those who don't know, Orphan Maker's basically a child in this, a child in some Iron Man armor, basically in his mentality, and like he just doesn't understand that like. You know, he's, she just, she, all she, Nanny just tells him to keep his mouth shut about this whole thing. Don't tell anybody. Cause she, and he's a bad boy. And then Grey Crow just walks in on him crying because he can't freaking, he, you know, he can't tell people why, but Nanny, Nanny hates him. And like, this is, and Nanny basically raised him and made him this way. But at the end of the day, like, you know, he, he kind of feels like he's being replaced a little bit. And Greco just sits down next to him. It's like it's cool. You don't have to tell me anything. And he's just like, "You want to go clean some guns with me?" Oh, yeah. And like he just, you know, Orphan Maker just stops crying. And like the picture of them sitting next to each other, and Orphan Maker is basically twice Greco's size. But he's in timeout. <laughs> yeah, and he's in timeout. And like he just looks at him. He's like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> 
you know, he just gets into it because freaking, like I said, he's still, you know, he's this, he's this murdering mutant, but he's he's just got this childlike mentality. And then we get into the interesting part because you know, there's only one thing that's better than one Mister Sinister in a book, two Mister Sinisters. And one of them butchered and stitched right back together. And we've got a mastermind. I said the right. I almost said mastermind. Like <laughs> was, you did. Uh, we got mastermind on the the holo communique. Mm-hmm. God, Man, I'm... the first thing that popped in my head is from the side the way his cape does. I have the original Toy Biz Mister Sinister action figure, mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's 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 not really a cape. It's just a big solid cusp of plastic that he just clipped to his neck, and it was gorgeous, and it it made me feel so vindicated. Like, I know it wasn't the strands, but like the, the the thing here is the mystery, and he, I know you're a sucker for a mystery, and we've got a mystery on our hands here. Mm-hmm. Help me out with the story, Mister Sinister. <laughs> Post. Well, yeah, because yeah, he just kind of walks in, and he's just like, "I'm gonna have some dinner," and he's like, "You know, you're well, you're not eating alone tonight," and it's the clone, and this clone is just been scarred up, and we turn out it's by a. Tar the Tarn the Uncaring, who is this geneticist from Otherworld, who has a group of mutants um, with him, and the whole joke several issues ago was that Mister Sinister desperately wanted these other mutants' genetic information so he could mess with it, so he turned around and made a clone to go after him, and turns out that that he no that clone escaped from Tarn. And is back her revenge, and then it turns out that the uh, the clone doesn't is not actually didn't actually escape, ha. but was granted the power to come out. Never escaped by Tarn himself. Uh, but, but then we real quick we go back to Gray Crow, and him and Peter are out there cleaning the guns, and like they just start to uh, he just asks about how you know Peter just being Peter. Just being an orphan maker, ask, how'd you get so fast at doing this? And Grey Crow's just like, my dad taught me. And then, like, without a beat, Peter's like, you know, I never met my dad, you know. Nanny said it's a good thing, but I don't know. Having a dad would have been pretty cool. And, like, you could just see the sadness in Grey Crow's eyes as he's just like, maybe. But maybe not. Maybe not. And, yeah. <laughs> I like, it's my, my stupid mind ruins things. And, like, when he asked him that in the comic and I was reading it on break at work the first thing that popped in my head was because you told me to drill sergeant <laughs> Aww. god damn it um <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get too far in this one thing that just popped in my head well it let you wear the cape right early in the issue mm-hmm. now we see Clone Mr. Sinister wearing a very peculiar, like, like, it, what is that, like a, like, well, almost like, like a frock. A, a frock with, like, the mane of a lion with, like, but, like, a droopy cape, which in no way matches the same style as the awesome, like, ripcords that Sinister usually has. There, he's not gonna wear something that doesn't mean something. He did something, mm-hmm. he did something to get that. And, uh, just harking back to what you said, like, escape. Ha! I never escaped. 
No one ever escapes. Oh, by the way, I, be I betrayed you all. <laughs> Pretty much. Because he's sinister. And he is the campiest of all villains. But yeah, no, Havoc comes in real quick. And right when he comes in, freaking the alarm sounds. And everybody rushes to find Sinister because it's Sinister's alarm. And that's when we find out that uh, Sinister didn't escape. He was let go. And apparently, he did not come alone as he brought all of Tarn's victims with him, or Tarn's mutants with him. And if you remember correctly, he uh, the mutant one of the mutants actually cut off both of Havoc's hands. Correct. And we talk about, and he talks the the mutant in particular talks about how he ended up eating them and how they were kind of bitter and tiny, and he ended up choking on them. He's got a great look. He almost has a Hellfire Club uh, mask, like uh, not crony, but like, I was in more Court of Owls from Batman, but yeah, but he's got those he's got those knives in his hand, like he's got a bunch of keys in his hand. He's about to go in a street fight, and like you have our property, and we're here to get it. And by the way, we want a rematch. And God, this this comic we're gonna kill you. This company just keeps delivering. Like, like the yeah. like, how much fun could you have if you're like, Morales, you're in charge of only heals. You're allowed to do whatever you want. You can do superpowers, whatever you want. You can be an evil bastard. Um, yeah, just, just make sure it's fun. And you'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first off, the, uh, the group is known as the Locust Vile. Ooh. And the thing is, if you don't, if you remember correctly, when they went to Otherworld, X, you know, X, uh, freaking the Hellions lost that battle. Like they legitimately had to run for their lives, and that's actually the battle where they lost Orphan Maker, Wild Child, and Nanny right. to to Otherworld. They died in Otherworld, so when they were reborn, they weren't reborn quite right. Not at all. We're not even talking about like incestuous, like you know, extra chromosome or minus chromosome. They're, they're some semblance of them is still there. They can't just kill it like a dead dog, but it's still there. Yeah. So that's that's the whole thing. Like this this is a team that beat the ever loving crap out of the Hellions, and you know, like I said, they ran for their lives, and now freaking they're back for round two. I'm loving it, man. Uh, God, you know, I'm looking at the list of everything that's coming in. Now. Now, I, I only managed to get like three quarters in the Children of the Atom, and I mm -hmm. hated it. And they keep teasing, you know, guest stars, the X-Men. Like, this is dumb. Hellions, 100%. X-Force, oh, God, it's a toss-up between those two. X-Men, the when I'm always torn I'm always with, torn. like, the, the flagship title, you know, that's supposed to be the most important, but it's not always the most fun and meaningful. Excalibur, Excalibur, like, I gotta say I don't understand your love of Excalibur. Um, they've never mattered to me. Way of X, definitely. X-Corp, you know, adding that uh, extra little bit of a... You know, the science and the uh, extra bit of the, the corporate entity. Uh, Marauders, I'm just in it for the, the Kitty Pride. New Mutants. Every time they do a New Mutants issue, it's always good. You know, thinking about it, in hindsight, I can't think of a New Mutants issue I've read in the past 12 years that I didn't like. 
even like even when they would bring back Legion for some bullshit thing, and you know Legion's back now, but it's not bullshit. Sword, I'm digging because it's in space. It just like, every all the main characters a sword. Wolverine, uh, it can be hit or miss, but God, I gotta say that the ones in between that are the best are Hellions, X Force, and Way of X. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan. Freaking uh, X Force has been super solid. I'm a real big Ken Omega fan. Um, Hellions has been hilarious, and I'm interested. Like Gray Crow's really kind of grown on me as a character. 100%. And I think that's the that's like the biggest thing with these new X books and the the way they've altered the team so much is that you're kind of exposed to new characters that you haven't had on a continuous basis like you'd have mr sinister for a couple of episodes issues and he was cool but like seeing him on like a month-to-month basis where they they're forced to dig deeper into the character has yeah. been like revolutionary for him as a character there's 11 x books out right now man 11 <laughs> you remember that's how, ridiculous remember how hard it was to keep up with x-force and uncanny and x-men and mm-hmm. maybe x-factor um yeah Hickman's not in the park. It's juicy, man. It's juicy. I would say it's a, uh, I'd say it's a, a solid four dollar steak. Yeah, <laughs> no, I would. Say, I just think like I think the thing about it is is that they've uh, they've separated a lot of the big characters. Like right. you don't you can't like, you get Gambit and Rogue in Excalibur. You got Wolverine and Beast in X Force. You know, Nightcrawler's got his own thing going on with Way of X and, you know, him and Legion together. You know, Hellions really is kind of like a lot of the leftover characters, which is why it's kind of the underdog book and why it's been so great. You know, you got Mr. Sinister, Havoc, you know, Quanon, Grey Crow. None of these characters really are going to, with maybe the exception of Mr. Sinister, going to headline a book. Right. Right. You know? And like freaking, it's 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 a great thing, you know. M, like none of the empath, freaking orphan maker, nanny, wild child, none of them are gonna, you know, be like the guy that's gonna get their own four, even like a four issue miniseries, is gonna be a rarity. And like, so they just kind of throw them all together, kind of. It's basically your version of the uh, the oddities from WWE or Misfits in Action and WCW. Um, freaking, you know, that kind of like. C level group that just, you know, is able to kind of like become memorable, but it's in, it's the sum is greater than the uh, the sum of the parts is greater than the parts themselves. Good point. Good point. The one thing the that one is thing the extra spice is, is, that is that the mutants are going to the pay. pay. They are they acting are as if their actions have no consequence. Yeah. They have done a lot of some. They've done some fucked up bullshit. They did some righteous things. They've done. Things completely uh, out of nowhere. I mean, X of Swords was a revolutionary story. Like that's one of my favorite X stories of all time. Now, it's not a. It's it's not doesn't have the impact to me the way it did with um, uh, Fatal Attractions or uh, even um, Extinction Agenda. Extinction Agenda. But I was young when I wrote those. Those were fresh. I had a mm-hmm. fresh mind on those ones. My, my mind is much more mature now, I'd like to think. And, uh... Yeah, like a solid 6 out of 10, maybe. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Especially <laughs> after we've had some, uh, <laughs> some pretty... Some clunkers. I mean, the, uh... X-Men versus, uh... Avengers, like, just pissed me off. I just wanted it to end. Uh, Phoenix coming back. 
uh, onslaught coming back. Like it was like, just get this over with. The 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 fight with the uh, Inhumans and God, I just wanted it to end. But yeah, we're God. I'm, I remember thinking about this when you were talking about one of the issues earlier. I was like, wow, we are in such a good. I don't want to say it's a renaissance, but we've been in a long continuous mix of everything being good that we're like reading, that, like, reading uh, like like that. that. How many? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say everything, but like we've definitely, we've definitely had a lot of stuff we focused on has been good. But there's definitely been some stuff that I've been like, like three jokers. I thought was a huge disappointment from what it could have been. Oh uh, yeah, that that definitely had some serious potential. But it, it, yeah, that that that, that could have been revolutionary. And at the end of the day, it just it just was a Batman story. Whereas it should have been up there with Nightfall or. Freaking long Halloween or right. you know year one, Dark Knight Returns. It should have been a classic Batman story that like you're like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get all the issues and I'm gonna pick up the trade just to see if they threw in anything extra. I know right because they do that and that's fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's great when you when it pays off. But like you know in hindsight, yeah, Three Jokers was definitely like I don't want any metaphysical shit when I'm reading fucking Batman. I want detective stories. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like just get, like give me give me a reason give me give me something I can sink my teeth into like it just it had no pain like it it was another Batman story like freaking three Jokers was over and then it was just never mentioned again like Long Halloween was the definitive Two Face story Crime. freaking you know freaking Dark Knight Dark Knight Returns revitalized Batman freaking freaking uh, Nightfall was the you know the fall of the bat and then him fighting to get back. It's like, it, you like, know, I remember when, uh, Brock Lesnar first, uh, debuted, I was like, well, he's Bane. <laughs> like, like, yeah. he, like there's, there's, there's no one bigger than him right now. He was still, you know, green shoes and shit, but like mm-hmm. he, he, he talked on the mic a lot. He's probably, he probably talked more in his first episode of SmackDown than he has in the past five years. Um, but, it was the introduction of Bane. Like, this guy's like, look, he's scary, man. Like, he's not even Russian. <laughs> and, uh, you know, corn-fed white boy. And, yeah, you know, but we've... It's funny, like, when we organize our lists, it's like you trim in the fat. Like, you know, like, I've had a fatty steak before. It was really good, but, like, mm-hmm. I didn't need to talk about it. But what... Yeah, we went over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven comics tonight. It's already been two and a half hours, and I thought we were going to have like an hour and a half uh, conversation. And you know, once we opened up the door to minefields, like you know, with Joker, like it was just, yep. with Joker, man. Like, God, I feel, I feel like now that we've explored every key option that could have happened in that, like, I'm worried about what sort of dreams I'm going to have tonight. And that's why I just don't dream. It's easier that way. I do my best, man. But like th- those sort of storylines, those sort of uh, intricities, those sort of no stone left unturned. The fact that I can watch five minutes of the Law and Order and know who did it, uh, but didn't think that that random cannibal's brother had anything to do with anything. Yeah, let's, let's just speak through this real quick. <laughs> this guy will say something fast, yeah. and it won't matter. No, no, it's gonna matter. Like that—that that meme was raw. Oh yeah, well he's already because they're all in uh, wherever Joker was at because they're the ones that came in on the bus last issue. That's the same family. Same family. 
Uh, so we got those. We got freaking Bane's daughter and her groups. Freaking, we got everybody. You know, freaking the locals are all trying to kill Joker. Everyone's trying to kill Joker. And Jim Gordon's just sat there in the crosshairs, just kind of gonna wait out and see what happens. See if he takes a shot or not. 100%. Man, I've been reading so much anime, man. The Shonen Jump app is just... Each chapter takes like five minutes to get through. It's maybe ten pages. Fucking great. Like, yeah, pay the $2, maybe $3 a month, guys, uh, to add that little extra bit. So if you're Comixology 6 plus 2 for Shonen Jump, that's 8 plus 20 for Marvel and DC. So do the math. Um... It's all there. Just go looking. There's no reason to sit at home depressed. There's no reason to feel bored. There's no reason to dive into a video game that doesn't mean shit like Minecraft or Fortnite. There's a lot of literature out there. You spend $28. You're going to have non-stop reading. Your memory's going to improve. Quality of life's going to improve. Your ability to enjoy the little intricities of life is going to improve. Um, we were talking about it off camera earlier about how much money I made the company I worked for today, uh, the last week. And, um, that really lit a fire to my ass. But at the same time though, we, you know, we, we're working like we're doing guerrilla warfare. We've got, um, something big on the horizon. We're, we're going out of state. We're recording minefields every week. We're doing Star Trek episodes with Colin when we can. Um, life is good. Oh, things are going well. I can't wait to get to Lubbock, man. Lil's got some treats for us. She's got some t-shirts for us. She's got, uh... She's gonna beat your ass. Nah. <laughs> I'm gonna turn, turn the nose. I don't care. Yeah. She's not the face. I always think of, every time I see someone get hit in the face, I'm like thinking Patrick Bateman. Not the face. Not the face, you fucking piece of bitch trash. <laughs> um, <laughs> But that's all I got for this week, man. It's been uh, I've been looking forward to it. It's always the highlight of my week, man. We got we got uh, a possibility of a Grill Warfare episode three coming up. I just got a contact said person. Um, interviewed Sage Sin. Uh, we've got promos to record this weekend. Probably some comic book stores too, because there's no fucking way we're gonna go to Denver and not go to a comic store. But we'll have the camera. Mindfield is on the jazz as usual. You got anything to add before we uh, wrap up? I don't know, man. Just looking forward to getting through the week. Freaking just another day, uh, another day of shooting people and saving people from the COVID. Yes, sir. Me making sure they are safe from the insurance that haunts them. But uh, send us off, man. It was my turn last time. Yeah. All right, you guys have a good night. This has been dangerous. This has been minefields. This. Uh, Transmission is over.